Can Kentucky basketball win a national title in 2023 with their star-studded recruiting class? Well, history says no. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on into Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. I'm your host, Lance Dahl, writer for Sports Illustrated for various SEC-related things. But on this podcast, we take a dive into all things Kentucky athletics. On today's episode of Locked On Kentucky, we are simply asking the question, can Kentucky basketball win a national title with their star-studded recruiting class that they've got coming in? Four five stars, Reed Shepard as the additional fifth player, uh, who is a four star. Can the Wildcats do it? History says no, and I'm going to explain why today. Thank you so much for making Locked On Kentucky your first listen every single day. I want to remind everybody out there that we are free and available on all platforms. Thank you so much for listening and watching wherever you may be. So let's go ahead and get into it. So that's the question I want to ask on today's episode. And before I dive into it, I want to kind of get your thoughts in the YouTube comments below. Can Kentucky win a national title? You can leave your suggestions, you can leave your thoughts, opinions, whatever they may be in the YouTube comments if you're listening on social or listening on podcast at Locked on UK on socials if you want to reach out and give me your opinions there. I say right now because of history No. And what do I mean by that? Well, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you know this, I know this, Kentucky has the number one recruiting class in the country. Four five stars, another uh, four star in Reed Shepard there. Uh, Reed Shepard being the lone four star in that group. I think Kentucky basketball has a legitimate shot at contending for a national title this season, but will they win one? History does not look kindly upon the former 2000, or excuse me, the former number one recruiting classes in the country. So let's go ahead and go through the the, the data that I've collected. This is really, really easy. If you want to go look on 24-7, on three, wherever you look at your recruiting rankings, and then just simply go look at how the previous teams did that were number one overall uh, in, the, uh, in the recruiting class rankings. So Duke was the most recent number one overall recruiting class in the 2022 uh, cycle. They finished uh, 27-9, and 14-6 in ACC play, and they lost in the second round of the NCAA tournament. So that was with the majority of freshmen there, uh, Derek Whitehead, Kyle Filipowski, Mark Mitchell, Ty- Mark Mitchell, Tyrese Proctor, Derek Lively, uh, some of the big names there, also Jaden Shutt and Kristen Reeves, uh, two high-profile players on top of that. It was a very young group. Uh, That was very fun to watch uh, during ACC play, but they could not get it together in the postseason. I'm going to go through this next nine, these next nine years. We're going to go all the way back to 2013, and I'm going to kind of give my thoughts on it and then tell you why I think how 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 this applies, I guess, uh, to Kentucky's team this season. 2021, the number one recruiting class was Memphis. Penny Hardaway and company 22 and 11, 13 and five in conference play lost in the second round. The number one recruiting class in the 2020 cycle was Kentucky. Terrence Clark, Devin Askew, Isaiah Jackson, Lance Ware, Cameron Fletcher, Brandon Boston, rest Terrence Clark's soul. This was a team that finished 9-16, and 16, as we all know. 2019, Memphis again. Penny Hardaway back on top of things once again 
in the low 20s in terms of wins, 21 and 10. They did not make the postseason, uh, actually. They, I believe, played in the NIT tournament. Um, yeah, I, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. So there is that. Actually, no, that would have been the year that, no, that would have been COVID. So scratch that. 2018, or yeah, 2018-19 season, the number one recruiting class was, again, Duke. They made the Elite Eight and they won the ACC. 2017, Duke, they uh, finished in the Elite, they finished second in the ACC and they went to the Elite Eight. So no national titles yet. In 2016 through 17, you had Duke once again. ACC tournament champions lost in the second round. You're seeing Jason Tatum, Frank Jackson, Harry Giles, Jack White, a couple of really big-time recruits there. Uh, Frank Jackson and Javid, uh, Javin Delore, uh, I believe is how you pronounce his name, another five-star there that, quite frankly, I've not heard of. And then you get to 2015. Kentucky had the number one recruiting class, SEC co-tournament champions, or SEC tournament champions, regular season co-champions. You finished in the second round of the NCAA tournament. Uh, really, really big time names uh, in in the class before this, um, but this was another high profile one: Isaiah Briscoe, Scalabissier, uh, Jamal Murray. Uh, just a few names to note there. Um, and then you get to 2014 national champions. Finally, we get to Duke. That is the last time the number one recruiting class. Uh, team, program, whatever you want to call it, went on to win the national title. And you look at the names on this list, I mean, it's only four guys. Grayson Allen, Jaleel Okafor, Tyus Jones, Justice Winslow. Two, four players that were really, really good uh, for that Duke team that, again, went on to win the title eventually in the NCAA tournament. And then in 2013, you've got Kentucky, who finished as the runner-up in the NCAA tournament race. So why do I sit here for a few minutes and go through the past decade of number one recruiting classes and explain to you why they failed essentially to make the uh, to make the national championship period. And then they also on top of that, you know, really failed to get past the second round. Look at Kentucky's situation this season. Now I'm not going to say it's identical to some of these other teams in the past, but I would say that it's pretty similar when it comes to the fact that you look, you've got four or five stars coming in. You've got Justin Edwards, you've got DJ Wagner, you've got Rob Dillingham, you've got Aaron Bradshaw, and then you've got Reed Shepard, who is a really good player in his own right as the four-star. This team is going to be good. They're going to be fun to watch in, in the regular season. They're going to be dominant, I think, at times if they're able to get more cohesion than some of Cal's most recent teams. Uh, the addition of John Welch, I think, will greatly help this offense. This team is going to be good. They are going to be national championship caliber. But this goes back to what I was ranting about on yesterday's episode. I wanted to kind of flesh this thought out here today. The number one recruiting class doesn't often translate to national title success. In fact, consistently, as I just showed, it was Duke or Kentucky, and they failed to get there. The most recent national championship and the most recent runner-up were actually in 2014 and 13. That's a decade ago, and we talked about this again on yesterday's episode. The game of college basketball has changed so much with the addition of NIL and the transfer portal that you're starting to see the the definition of super team, the definition of national title contender and national title winner, winner rather, it's starting to look different. It's starting to be shaped differently. Not every single team has a bunch of really talented young players that can take them a long way. And this has not been consistently the theme in college basketball. This has not been the exact perfect rec recipe. There are plenty of different ways to win in college basketball, but 
now more than ever, I think that I think teams are starting to become more reliant on more experienced players blended with these younger talents. You need players that understand the game and you need players that can go out there and execute for you within a given system, whether it be Mark Few, Scott Drew, or, or rather at Baylor. You, you, you can look across Jay Wright. You know, he had a bunch of really uh, experienced older guards on that team that was able to get him to that national, a pair of national titles, actually, I should say. Kentucky needs experience blended with their talent. And I think, to be honest with you, they're not going to find in the transfer portal players that will usurp the talent in terms of starting minutes and rotational minutes, I think you're going to see, if anything, Kentucky's going to go out and get players that are more experienced to kind of come off the bench. So right now, I hate to say it. I hate to be the one to kind of set the tone for the offseason. I think Kentucky will contend and they will field a team that is good enough to win a national title. But according to history, they're not going to be able to do it. Now, Oscar Shibway, I think, is a big factor in this assumption because if he is able to return it kind of changes the way that your roster makes itself up and yes I think it changes based off of one person he's the reigning national player of the year a couple of seasons ago or not the reigning he's former national player of the year one of the most dominant forces in all of college basketball you pair him up with five really young good players you get a couple of other transfer portal pieces to be backups and more experienced help in that department I think you've got a recipe for success now again whether or not that wins the national title, that would be bucking historical trends. So we're just going to have to simply wait and see. So that's what I had on that today. Can Kentucky win a national title? I think it's possible to to field a team that could win it, but are they going to? Right now, history says no. So if you've got any thoughts on that, you can leave that in the YouTube comments below. If you agree, disagree, I'm not saying that they won't. I'm just saying that history says they won't. I want to make that clear. Uh, in case you're upset about what I'm saying here today, uh, you can leave any of your thoughts in the YouTube comments below, or you can hit me on the socials at LockedOnUK. All right, I want to take a dive into three listener questions here uh, before we wrap up the week on Locked On Kentucky. Before we get to that, though, I want to tell you guys about our friends over at Bird Dogs. I have a couple of pair, pairs of shorts from Bird Dogs. They sent them over to me, and they may be the most comfortable shorts that I own right now. Every single time I've gone to work out over the past couple of weeks, I've made sure one of my pairs of bird dogs is clean so that I can go and wear these things while I'm on the treadmill, doing deadlifts, whatever it may be uh, that I'm doing out in the gym. And I'm really enjoying the flexibility and the comfort of these things. On top of that, something that I continue to harp on when we talk about them here on the show that I don't really see a whole lot of other people talking about when it comes to athletic wear is the color and the design. I really do like the colors that Bird Dogs has chosen for some of their different shorts and pants. They're very, very beachy to me. I really like uh, the, the the type of the, the summer type colors that they have, really nice corals and light blues and different things like that. I really love uh, the two colors that they sent me. They had like this light gray with this light blue compression inlining, and then there were these ones that were uh, these light blue with coral uh, on the inside, this peach coral kind kind of color. Very, very nice. Very, very comfortable. Would highly encourage you guys to go check these uh, Bird Dog shorts and pants out as well. If you want to go to birddogs.com slash college, if you enter promo code LockedOnCollege there, they will throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every single order that you make. So check them out, birddogs.com slash college. Use promo code LockedOnCollege on top of that. All right, continuing along here on the Friday edition of Locked On Kentucky Lance Dahl, hanging out here with you. 
I've got three listener questions to dive into before we wrap up the week. I want to remind you guys, if you have not subscribed to the show already, please go ahead and do so. I've been trying to harp on this for the past few episodes. I believe it's either 71 or 72% of you guys are not subscribed to the channel. Please go ahead and do so. If you're listening on podcast, there is no reason, literally no reason at all, why you should not be following the podcast feed on top of the information that you are getting today. We got a lot of fun comment content coming up here this summer. We got a lot of questions, trivia things to ask you guys. I'm going to be putting together a lot of different lists of previous Wildcats starting fives. You know, we're going to go through different lists and ranks, and I'm going to share my opinions, and we can all discuss it. I think it'll be a lot of fun debate going on this summer. So subscribe, follow wherever you are listening. I would greatly appreciate it. All right, three listener questions here before we wrap things up. I am going to start with UK sports fan. He said, Lance, what have you heard about Olivier Kumwa? Has Kentucky even reached out or contacted him? Do they even have an interest? He would be a big body with experience who could provide solid minutes and give them a post presence and somebody to battle Uganda and Yenzo in practice. The only way these guys get better is to have someone they can play against in practice that prepared them for the type players they're going to be playing against. Not to mention this guy is big, and athletic, and has experience. UK sports fan, I could not agree with you more. I think that Olivier Kumwa, it would be, and I believe that's how you pronounce his name, he would be the perfect player for Kentucky to get in their front court. There would be even a legitimate chance that he would start over Aaron Bradshaw uh, in that circumstance at the four spot. In case you don't know, Kumwa, a transfer from Tennessee, is a senior, 6'9", 236 pounds, uh, has been really solid for them for the past few years, was a great three-point shooter a year ago was a decent three-point shooter this past season. I actually think he was just, like, right at average. 11 points, five rebounds, two assists, 51% from the floor, 33-point-something percent from three. Uh, I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but he was a very good forward for them. I believe he scored 27 points in the uh, in the round of 32 game against Duke uh, to bounce them out and to uh, advance in the tournament uh, the Vols did. So I think that Kumwa would be uh, a great addition He's very similar to some of the power forwards that we've previously previously talked about uh, on the show. What is Kentucky looking for? UK sports fans said it perfectly. They're looking for somebody that is experienced, a veteran guy that's that can be a solid presence in practice uh, for the Wildcats. I think not just whenever they're actually practicing, but also you know, player to player, being able to kind of help develop them as just like essentially an extra coach, just an older guy who understands how things work there. So UK sports fan, I think he would be great. Here's the problem, though. Uh, Kentucky doesn't really seem like they're pursuing him right now. And in fact, I think that there are two schools that are uh, way ahead of the pack right now in Michigan and West Virginia. Right now, I believe he's got a visit set to Michigan and he's already taken a visit to West Virginia. I could be wrong on that second part. I need to double check that. But yeah, I, I don't think that Kentucky's pursuing this kid uh, as hard as you know they could be. Um, would I like to see him on the roster? Absolutely, I would. Uh, Is Kentucky going to get him? No, I don't think they are. I think they're going to be looking at somebody else. Hopefully, Uh, we'll just have to see (laughs) if they're able to actually get anybody. So, hope that answers your question there, UK sports fan. Titan Jake asks, who is your favorite quarterback of the Stoops era? Mine is a toss-up between Will Levis and Steven Johnson. Well, you said it right there. My favorite quarterback of the Stoops era is Stephen Johnson. While statistically not the most dominant quarterback, I absolutely loved watch Johnson, watching Johnson play during those few years that he was with the Wildcats. I'm actually going to pull up his stats right now just to make sure that I am not uh, that I am not going crazy. I pulled up Stephen Johnson and a, a defensive lineman from Auburn uh, came up. Two seasons with UK, more of a running threat, I think, than uh, some people gave him credit for. 
13 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns passing in his two years with the Wildcats. A lot of fun, Stephen Johnson was, to watch uh, with UK. Not the most consistent at times, but I just really like... I really like the quarterbacks in the SEC and across college football that don't wow you with their talent, that don't wow you with their arm, but they it's clear that they understand the game and they're able to kind of process through things as quickly as some of these elite talents are. It's just that they're not quite up there physically or whatever it may be. I love watching those guys operate in a system that gives them the opportunity to succeed because it just it doesn't look it looks like at times when you watch these guys that make it look effortless, it does get boring, right? It does kind of get old watching the same thing happen over and over and over again with these four- and five-star quarterbacks. You get a guy like Stephen Johnson in your system. You get a guy like, I'm trying to find a good example of this, um, Bryce Petty from Baylor a few years ago, where it's like these guys are not world beaters, but, man, they do well in their system. Man, this th- this team operates well within their system. I like Stephen Johnson. I don't, like, don't want to use the word gritty, uh, because that just, I don't think that's applicable uh, to every single quarterback that doesn't perform elite. Uh, but I think that Steven Johnson was definitely my favorite. He was a lot of fun to watch during his time at UK. So that would be my answer there. Scott Scara, uh, Sar, Sar, Sacra, Scott Sacra asks, and I apologize for completely butchering your name here. This final question for today's episode. Lance, is it me or does it seem like random names are just being thrown out in some hope uh, or hype? or in hope some hype is built around them is UK at the point to where they can't recruit with some of the younger coaches are there names out there like Ron Holland and the likes why should we go after a Richmond player in case you're wondering we talked about a Richmond guard on yesterday's episode or Richmond forward um he's versatile enough to play up and down the roster but we talked about him on yesterday's episode as a player that Kentucky could pursue. Will they pursue him? I don't think so. Should they go after him? Yeah, that's pretty much the story that we've continued to harp on here over and over and over and over on the show. Scott, I don't think, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you to start. I think that there are there is just a lot of hype being thrown around uh, with random names in the transfer portal. Uh, I try whenever I talk about these guys, it's not necessarily building hype around like Kentucky's going to get him. I just want to be realistic and say like, that would be a good prospect. That's going to be a good prospect. That would be a great fit for Kentucky. I wish they would go after them is essentially kind of the picture I've tried to paint here on the show. There are so many different players that we've discussed already throughout the past two months, uh, I would say, uh, where you've looked at a prospect and said, they checked the boxes, experience, good outside shooter, somewhat versatile, they can be a leader in this locker room. Let's go ahead and go after them. And then you see Kentucky's, oh, great. They're one of the teams that's contacted them. Not necessarily one of the teams that's offered them, but one of the teams that's contacted them. And then you never hear anything again. So he's asking, why should we be going after players like the, the Richmond kid if we are also having opportunities to go after guys like Ron Holland? I think that we're going after both. Because it's kind of the dynamic that we're looking at with Kentucky's current roster. So just just follow me for a second. Antonio Reeves probably, well, I won't say probably, may not be coming back to Kentucky at this point. That's something I may end up being wrong on. And I'll just have to bite the bullet on that. He may not be coming back. Throughout this entire process, Kentucky should have been looking at a player to supplant him in the transfer portal. Oscar Shibway may not be coming back to Kentucky. They should have been heavily pursuing and possibly gotten a commitment from somebody that they would be confident in replacing Sheepway's minutes slash statistical production 
through the transfer portal. They should have already covered their bases, essentially is what they should be doing. It's a fallback option at times. If you have a guy in the portal that you're saying, hold on, hold on, hold on. If we Once we get an answer from these guys, and if they're not coming back, you're our dude. We're going to get you. Scott, I, I think that in this scenario, you're looking at Kentucky potentially pursuing both the high-profile and the mid-major guys, and if they don't end up with one, they will pursue heavily the other because, yes, you're absolutely right. Why would you go after uh, some no-name school uh, player? And I'm not saying that the kid from Richmond's out. He was a very good scorer uh, for them, but why would you go after this kid from this no-name school when you can go after the former five-star that's looking at all these other SEC schools? You're Kentucky. Pursue him. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think that they should do that. I think they are going to do that with some of these prospects. Maybe not Ron Holland because I feel like he's leaning towards Arkansas a little bit heavier than everywhere else, and that was kind of the message whenever he decommitted from Texas. But, um, yeah, I think that they will utilize the kids like the Richmond player as potential fallback options, not just for players like Ron Holland if they fall through or if they're in the process of falling through, But it's also for players like Reeves. You've got to be able to have options because if you you recruit trying to identify the best talent in the portal and trying to identify the best talent in the recruiting classes even, sometimes this is a struggle for other schools, has been a struggle for Kentucky in the past at, at points, when you're trying to identify the best talent you possibly can find, and if you don't have secondary options to fall back on to get commitments from, you're going to be left with nobody. This is true in football. This is true in basketball. This is true in every aspect of recruiting and college athletics. You can't just pursue the high-profile guys. You have to talk to a lot of different players. That's why sometimes players get contacted. They get offered, even though you know there's there's a really good chance that they may go to another school. You may be looking at this three-star quarterback, and you're saying, man, he'd be okay to have on the roster just in case this four-star cutter bully that we're looking at doesn't go through. You get what I'm saying? So, Scott, I think that in this scenario, and I could be completely wrong on this. I'm just, I'm, most of this is speculation. Part of it is, is I think that this is truly what's how it works. If you recruit Ron Holland and nobody else and you don't get Ron Holland, you don't get anyone. You've got to have your bases covered. You've got to look at several prospects in a row at the same position. That's why Kentucky at one point was talking to Jamarian Sharp and Hunter Dickinson. Uh, you're looking at multiple pieces to potentially add, and if you get one of them, that's great. And then you see, you, you also ask the question, is Kentucky at the point where they can't recruit with some of the younger, co- younger coaches? I don't know if that's the case, because even if this coaching staff slash Cal was falling behind in that category of not being as relatable or whatever it may be, I think, I think that Kentucky's national brand and ability to draw in talent would, would offset that. I think that that would offset that. Now, is is it different for some of these older transfer portal players? Possibly. I don't know. That could be the case. Um, but I would say that Kentucky is not struggling uh, to out-recruit some of these younger coaches. I think the greatest example of this is the most recent recruiting class they just signed. Again, is the transfer portal different? Probably, maybe, I don't know. Um, but I, I don't think Kentucky's struggling in that department. So those are the three questions that we had on today's episode. If you have any thoughts on anything that we talked about today. Again, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below. A little bit of a helter-skelter episode. I apologize, but this is a topic. Hey, national title contention, it's probably a topic that we're going to be discussing for the foreseeable future. I mean, even all the way up until February, we're going to be talking about this 
uh, at length before March Madness gets here, and that's when the conversation really starts. So if you've got any thoughts on it, you can leave it in the YouTube comments below. That's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Dahl underscore. You can follow the show over on Instagram. That is at Kentucky Podcast. Questions, comments, concerns, leave them in the YouTube comments below. Hit me on the socials. I will see you all on Monday for another episode of Locked On Kentucky. Hope you guys have a great rest of your day and God bless.